it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Uniac. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Witness Radio, the only show that doesn't care about ratings because our sole purpose is to save souls on purpose. Go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and syndication options. You can also connect with the show on various social media or Blab for the live show, and you can call us at 513-900-8070. I've decided to try and do a live show to get people calling in and asking their questions about God, Christianity, religions, whatnot, atheists, Buddhists, Hindus, anybody is welcome to call into the show with their questions or comments. You don't have to be a friend of Christianity. In fact, I would prefer it if you were not a friend of Christianity so that I could witness to you. That's why it's witness radio. But why have I decided to try this format, this live format for witness radio? It's because I may be moving. I may not be able to get out on to the college campuses where I normally get radio interviews. I may not be able to go out into the highways and byways as much as I once could, at least with my microphone, and get radio interviews. Uh, I'll still be witnessing. Uh, I can't really discuss the details of that. But without radio interviews or without witnessing clips, witness radio would cease to exist. So that's why I have decided to try and change the format. At, At least I'm testing waters right now with this live format on blab.im where I can actually have people call in. If you want to call in, you're more than welcome to just hit sit down or something like that or join the conversation. Okay. So Romans chapter one, talking about the truth about God. Let's see what God's word has to say about it for the wrath of uh, Romans chapter one, starting in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. They are without excuse. Verse 21 says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile or futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Ooh, that's rough. That's that's harsh, isn't it? No, not really. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And it goes on to talk about how God gave you up gave people up to their sinful desire. So the truth about God, according to the Bible, everybody knows God exists, which means atheists are not real. Now that you know that nobody has an excuse for denying the existence the existence of God, what do you do with that information? Well, there's really only two things that people do with it. One, they continue to deny his existence and suppress the truth and get angry with him, even though they say he doesn't exist. Yes, I'm talking about you, my lovely atheist friends. Or they bow the knee, they repent, they put their trust in him. And the only way to do that is by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, the one whom he sent. 
For those of you who don't know, Jesus Christ is the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. He came to this earth born of a virgin, lived a perfect, holy, righteous life, never sinned ever. Sin is transgression of God's law. God's law, examples of that would be lying, stealing, using God's name like a curse word, coveting or being greedy for something that isn't yours. Uh, Let's see, adultery or looking with lust, which is the same as adultery, murder, hatred, which is the same as murder in God's eyes, dishonoring your parents, not putting the God of the Bible first in all things, Uh, making a God to suit yourself is idolatry. Those are all some, those are all part of God's law. If you've broken any of those, then you have sinned against God. And the Bible says very clearly that you will spend eternity in hell, or at least you deserve to. But there is a way out in spite of your sinfulness. You know, Romans 5 8 actually says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you, being a sinner before God, having sinned against a holy, righteous God, you can have eternal life. You can have your sins forgiven. You can escape hell, the hell that you and I deserve. And the only way you can do that is by putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Well, why is Jesus Christ so important? Well, he was God in the flesh, number one. Number two, he was a perfect human who was also God. He lived a perfect life. He never lied. He never stole. He never broke any of God's laws. He fulfilled the law of God. And then he was tried like a common criminal. He was punished. He was whipped. He was beaten. He had his beard plucked from his chin, and he was hung upon a cross, nails piercing his hands and his feet, hung upon that cross. He died on that cross, not because he deserved it, but because you deserve it, and I deserve it. He died on that cross, and three days later, he rose from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated hell, and he offers you eternal life. Now, why is that important? God punished his son on our behalf. He poured out his wrath that we deserve upon his son, his one and only son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He poured out his wrath, the wrath that you and I deserve, because it had to be poured out. And Jesus took it upon himself. He took the sin of the whole world upon his shoulders, and he dealt with the wrath of God. He faced it for all those that would believe in him. Why is that important? John 3.36. Let me turn to that, and that'll give you the answer. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So if you, being a sinner, having lied or stolen or used God's name in vain or many other things, if you have sinned against God and you have not turned from your sinfulness and put your trust in Jesus Christ alone, the wrath of God remains on you. It has not been paid for. It has not been dealt with by Jesus Christ. The wrath of God remains on you. And if you die before turning to Christ, you will face that wrath. I would not want to be in your shoes because that is a terrible fate, a fate that I don't want you to go to, a fate that I don't want you to have. That's why I'm sharing this with you. Jesus died on the cross, taking the wrath of God for you. And he rose on the third day, defeating death, showing that the payment for your sin was satisfied. The punishment was satisfied. If you are willing to humble yourself, turn from your sinfulness, your sinful nature, the nature that you receive from birth because of the curse that was brought upon this world from Adam and Eve when they first sinned in the Garden of Eden. Yes, I do believe in the account of Adam and Eve. I believe that this the Bible is absolutely true from beginning to end. So if you 
want to have your sins forgiven. If you want to go to heaven when you die, then you need to repent. That means to turn from your sinful nature, turn from loving the things that are against God, and turn to God. Run to Him. Cry out to Him. Beg Him for mercy. Turn from sin. Turn to God. Put your trust in His Son, in Jesus Christ, the one who died to pay for your sins. If you do that, immediately your sins are forgiven. Immediately you are a new creation, a new creature in Christ, the Bible says. God will change you from the inside out. He will grant you eternal life. He will grant you entrance into heaven. He will commute your death sentence. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but for you, you only die once if you're born twice. You see, Jesus said you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. The only way to be born again, not reincarnation. No, this is a spiritual birth. Because even though you are born physically, you are still dead spiritually unless you repent and believe the gospel. When you do that, then you are born again. You are born spiritually. And then you will die physically one day, but you will not die spiritually. If you're looking for a conference where you can be trained on biblical evangelism and street-level apologetics, especially on questions regarding biblical creation, we have just the conference for you. Our list of speakers is Pastor Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity Ministries, Dr. Anthony Sylvester Jr. from Creation Revival Ministries, and Ricky Gantz from G220 Ministries and the G220 Radio Host. There will be a free lunch and free registration for those who are registered by April 15th. Go to www.rememberedministries.org to register. Biblical Christianity says the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Every other world religion and worldview contradicts that. Here's why. Every other worldview and world religion says you can do something to merit going to heaven or to the good afterlife. It's all up to you. Basically, you get to play God. You get to choose your fate. That's the difference. That is the ultimate difference between Christianity and all other world religions. I mean, let's think about Mormons. How do they get to heaven? Well, they have to do certain things in their religious worldview in order to merit going to heaven. See, they say they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the biblical Jesus. They say that Jesus did a lot of good stuff, and some of it merit is credited to them, but it's not enough. They have to add to what Jesus did in order to get to heaven. Jehovah's Witnesses, same thing. They have to add to what Jesus did to get to heaven. Atheists, well, they don't care what's going on because they just think they're all going in the ground, but they think, just live a good life. Be a nice guy. Well, atheism kind of contradicts that statement. Why? You're all just probably, you all just come from primordial soup. What's the point in morals, in morality? Survival of the fittest, right? You should all desire to kill one another and become the greatest person in the food chain or the highest person in your world. That, that's essentially atheism, if you take it to its logical conclusion, as many sociopaths have done. Let's look at some other world religions, false religions. Yes, I called them false. So let's think about uh, the Roman Catholic Church. Well, no, I, I would consider them a cult, so I wouldn't consider them a world religion. But for those of you who may consider them Christianity, no, they're not Christians because they say you have to do stuff to get to heaven, just like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. You have to do stuff in order to 
get your sins forgiven. Uh, Hindus, you have to work your way to get to the afterlife, to nirvana. Buddhists, same, same thing, um, to be enveloped into the supreme consciousness or whatever that is. Muslims, Muslims, they a lot of people think that Muslims and Christians worship, worship the same God. No. Yes, the term Allah might mean God in Arabic, but it is not talking about the one true God of the Bible. Because if you look at the nature of their God in their religious text and the nature of the Christian God, the one true God in the Bible, they are diametrically opposed. It's like putting two magnets together that are at the same pole. They, they oppose each other. They cannot come together. So it's two different gods. But they say you have to do stuff to get to heaven. You know, it's a balancing of the scales. Do more good, do, do more bad. You know, if you do more good, maybe, it, they're not even sure, but maybe they'll get to heaven. Maybe not. Of course, there is one surefire way in their religion that, that allows them to get to heaven or get to paradise. The surefire way is to commit jihad or a spiritual war for Allah. You know, you see all the suicide bombers. Uh, recently, the France bombing. Was it France? Yes, I think it was Brussels. Yes, Brussels, France, where you had the Muslim, a couple of Muslim terrorists bombing places, suicide bomber. They say that by doing that, you automatically go to heaven. That's wrong. Uh, let's see. Any other world religion? I'm sure there's plenty out there that I'm forgetting. But every world religion, every worldview says it's all on you. It's up to you whether you go to heaven or hell, whether you go to good afterlife or bad afterlife. It's all on you. You get to play God. You get to choose your own fate. Biblical Christianity is different, totally different, because it says you're not good. You can't do anything to get yourself to the good afterlife. You deserve the bad afterlife. You deserve hell because you've sinned against a holy and righteous God. That's the difference. But it does say that there is a way for you to go to heaven. There is a way for you to have eternal life, to have eternity in heaven in the good afterlife. The only way to do that is through Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross, who paid for the sin of mankind, who rose from the dead three days later, and who offers you eternal life if you turn from your sinfulness and put your trust in Jesus Christ alone. That's the difference between Christianity and every other worldview, every other world religion, every other cult, or every cult that is out there. Do you agree? Disagree? Comments? Questions? Again, if you want to have a seat and talk, you are more than welcome to. Uh, that's part of the fun of having a live show is people can call in. People can sit down in Blab and they can share with me their thoughts so that I'm not just a single talking head giving you my own thoughts, my own views. I love to talk with atheists and people from other worldviews. I, I even love to talk to Christians. Uh-oh, we got someone calling in. Finally. Man. All right, let's see. Caddy Wampus. All right, Caddy Wampus, welcome to Witness Radio. Please keep it clean. Hey, how's it going? Good. I would say long time listener, but I just, I just, I just wandered on. Um, I thought you were saying some interesting things, uh, which is something I still quite don't grasp about modern Christianity, which is the whole grace versus works. Because I heard you mention about Catholic, I was raised Catholic, uh-huh. um, and I know it's a topic of contention. But and you went on to mention other religions and basically said all other religions, or mm-hmm. at least the world religions, are pretty much similar in that it's, it's works that gets you to heaven. Right. But Christianity, you said you didn't quite say grace, but I think you were going there. Yes. Uh, um, 
Christianity. There, there are definitely people who claim to be part of Christianity that, that are not. Uh, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, stuff like that. They all claim to be Christian, but they're really not. They follow a false Jesus uh, because they are works-based. They're not grace-based. That, that's kind of the difference between all of the other worldviews is because they, yeah. they all you do. Essentially making you to be God in that worldview or in that religion. Uh, the Catholic Church it would be included in it. And even in the catechism, I don't have it right now, but in the catechism, it talks about how if you believe that it's grace through faith alone, that there are no works involved, they say you are anathema, you are cursed. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're going to hell. There's nothing they can do for you. Um, so, uh, sadly, a lot of Catholics nowadays are trying to go back on that stance, say, oh, no, 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 we, we, we believe in, in grace too. Well, no, you don't, because if you did, you wouldn't be part of the Catholic Church. So when you say grace by faith alone with no works, what does that exactly entail in practical terms? What what does it require if you once you receive the Holy Spirit? Is there no works that you have to do after that? Okay. So what happens uh, prior to salvation? Mm-hmm. Nothing you can do. The Bible says, repent and believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. is a gift granted by God. The turning from sin, turning to Jesus Christ is something that God allows you to do. He transforms your heart. He gives you a new heart with new desire. Allowing, that's an interesting word that you said there, because you're saying God allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. But just because I allow someone to do something doesn't mean it's going to be done, correct? Correct. So what does it require for the person that, that was allowed to do something? Do they still have to do something? Okay. So, and this is an area where a lot of people uh, get contentious, uh, mm-hmm. where they, because the Bible, uh, you know, it doesn't make it extremely clear how this all works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the great mysteries that a lot of Christians debate over. Mm-hmm. But we all agree that it is entirely a work of God. It's nothing in and of ourselves that we can do to merit eternal life. Uh, we all deserve how we all. Uh, left to our own devices, will choose to do that which is against God. And but, is it? Are, are you under the impression? Are you? I don't want to figure out what you you know or put words in your head. But are you? Do you believe in predestination? Um. Yes and no. Um. I think a lot of people look at predestination and say, "Well, God chose who gets to go to heaven, who gets to go to hell." I look at predestination more or less in the aspect of everything throughout all of time, all of history. Um, And he saw that all of us deserve hell. Every single one of us deserve hell because we all, because of our sin nature, we all desire to turn away from God, to do that which is against God. So do we have any criteria as to what, or what's, in your opinion, what is God's criteria as far as who he chooses to regenerate? I don't know. I don't know what the how that would be answered. Um, that's something. Is there, that, is there anything prior to being regenerated that a person could do to get ahead of the line or to get you know hopefully no be able to receive the Holy Spirit? So there's absolutely nothing. Right. No. It, it's so. What, what was the parable of the sower? You're familiar with that. 
Yes. Uh, the parable of the sower was talking about, uh, it was actually talking about true and false converts. A great mm-hmm. piece, uh, by Ray Comfort called True and False Conversion, uh, talks about that, where basically there are people, you know, the different seeds or the seeds are thrown out there and there's different growths, uh, and three out of four of them fall away. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that they've fallen away, it's that they were never truly converted. Uh, talking about people. So- Christians. Uh, it's like you have many atheists that were mm-hmm. professing Christians. Mm-hmm. Not that they were Christian. It's they never were Christian in the first place. But according to that parable, the seed was still thrown though. The seed was still there. It's just they weren't fertile. It's the gospel. The gospel message. Right. You know, so like, I guess message. I guess just breaking down that parable, does God throw seeds everywhere or does he pick where to put the seed and, he, and does he look at the at the ground and say this ground is going to be fertile so i'm going to plant here or does he just throw seeds and the seeds grow where it's fertile and they don't grow where it's not because that's what i get from my parable okay and then and then there is something that we could do we could become fertile hmm. so when the seed is thrown it's able to grow i mean that's what i i would get from that parable if not why why bring up prior to the seed falling if the land is fertile the seed's going to grow if it's not it's not going to grow mm-hmm. you see you see that dichotomy there so what can the ground do to fertilize itself i mean what that's is is that not the point of the parable a fertile ground is going to have is going to bear fruit if a plant grows on it versus something that's not fertile that's what I'm asking is, is if a ground, if ground is not fertile, can mm-hmm. ground do anything to fertilize itself or to make it more fertile? Of course not. Seeds have to be thrown. And that's the same situation. But my point is seeds are being thrown at infertile ground, according yeah. to that parable, yeah. right? It's like, I will share that. Wait, wait, you got to grant that. Yeah. Are seeds in that parable, are seeds being thrown towards infertile ground? Yes, absolutely. Okay. What is that? So what's the seed in this parable? Is the seed not the Holy Spirit? No, no. The seed is the gospel message. The, the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day. You know, whenever I give out a gospel tract to someone, okay. it's gospel, you know, that I don't know if they're going to be a Christian or not. I don't know if they will repent and believe the gospel or not. But, I but it can- doesn't matter because if they repent, repenting does not grant you access to the Holy Spirit. Okay. According to your definition, according to your standard and criteria, how people are regenerated, repentance does nothing. That's a work. If you repent something that you're doing, so repenting does nothing. So why even encourage people to repent if it does nothing unless the Holy Spirit reaches you first? Jesus said, repent, believe the gospel. Correct, but but it doesn't matter. You can repent and believe the gospel, but you're still going to hell because the Holy Spirit hasn't reached you. And this is according to what you just said. Repentance is granted by God. It's not something you do in and of yourself. You would so, never okay, so why ask people to repent if they can't do it by themselves? They need God to do so. Because as Jesus commanded, we man repent and believe the gospel. Turn from sin, trust in Jesus. That, that's what is required to be saved. Why would we- I could, that's inconsistent. That's that's my problem, and I think that's why I came on. Okay. You're saying on the one hand you have to repent and believe the gospel to be saved. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you're saying you can't do anything unless God reaches out and the Holy Spirit touches you. Mm -hmm. So which is it? Does the Holy Spirit have to reach you first or 
can I just repent and believe the gospel? Or do I need this one first? Okay. It's not if or it's and both. That's inconsistent, man. And basically what you just admitted, and this, that's why I came out, what you just admitted is that you don't get to faith by works. Right. And you don't get to faith by faith faith itself. You're saying you need both. You need works and grace. Grace doesn't do it by itself because you still have to repent and believe the gospel. And repenting and believing the gospel doesn't do it by itself because you still need grace. So by your own, your own admission, and you can replay this back and, and listen to every single one of your points, you need both. So now the biblical Christianity that you're talking about joins the rest of the religions of the world. Okay. So um, it joins the Catholic Church. It joins the Muslim faith. It joins every other religion you just spoke of because you need works and grace. You have to repent and believe the gospel yeah. in order to accept the grace. Repentance and the fact that you believe the gospel, that is all on God. God is the one that grants you the ability to repent. Okay, so then ability to trust in Jesus. Without God allowing you to do that, you would not do that. You want to serve yourself. You want to serve that which is evil before salvation. Okay. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, it, it's not anything you okay. do, even though technically it, it kind of is. It, it's I, I grant you that. Okay. So let's let's go ahead and, and let's assume again we need God in order to do that. Why are you telling people to do that since you have no power to do that for somebody and they don't have the power to do that both you and them have to wait till god does it so your crusade of having people encourage people to repent and believe the gospel does nothing because they have to wait till god allows them to do so bible says that uh how can people uh believe unless they have heard you know it doesn't matter god's going to reach them that's going to reach them whether they heard the word or not no it's not how that's not how god works okay so now you know how god works I asked you earlier, what's the criteria? And you didn't know what the criteria, but now you do know how God works. So you do know the criteria that God chooses people and gives them grace. Right. You either know it or you don't know it. But now you, I mean, that's another inconsistent thing that you said, man. All right. Well, Caddy, we've I'm, been, I'm going to see you in quite a while. Thank you for coming on. I'm Science Pete, welcome to the show and please be clean. Uh, I'm I'm as clean as they come. <laughs> I just showered even. Actually I didn't, but uh I, I, I might as well. Um that was an interesting topic. I, I guess uh, um my question for you would be uh, you seem like you are very devout in your belief and you hold it to be true. Um but I have friends who are Muslim and Hindu who are uh, equally as devout in their faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, as someone who uh, I'd like to know, which as uh, someone who is, I find, think of myself as a seeker of truth, how do I determine if, if uh, Christianity is, is the one true faith? How do I understand? How do I determine if Islam is or Hinduism or Buddhism? Um, what, what, what stand can I I used to determine uh, which which path I take if I, if I were to take a path. Okay. Well, uh, ultimately, um, it, it's something that you know. There, there's two methods of thought. The first method of thought is Romans chapter one says, "You know the truth. You know that there is a God. You know that it is the one true God, the God of the Bible." Um, and it says that you suppress the truth in your unrighteousness, in your sinful nature, you desire to do that which is against God. The Bible says there are none who seek after God. There are none who desire to do his will uh, because we all desire to do our own will. We we want to be God instead of putting him God. We don't want to humble ourselves uh, under his 
rule. Um, the other thought with that is, <clears throat> excuse me, the other thought with that is, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, there's one main difference between biblical Christianity and all other worldviews, and that is works. All the other worldviews say you have to do something to get into the afterlife, the good afterlife versus the bad afterlife. Biblical Christianity says there's nothing you can do. You deserve the bad afterlife. That's where you are going unless repentance and faith happens, which is, uh, as I was talking with uh, Caddy earlier, it's a so it's believe in, by God. Sorry to interrupt, but I believe in Islam there is uh, a hell that if uh, you are uh, not a believer or a follower of God and God's teachings, that you uh, could be condemned to uh, eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. Yes, but what it is, they they don't know that they are going to heaven. There, there's no sure way. They they weigh themselves on a scale of good and evil. If they do enough good deeds, then maybe Allah will let them go into heaven or into paradise. Uh, biblical Christianity says no. The scale is far surpasses any good you could do. You you are wicked and evil from birth. But God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins in spite of them. He died on the cross paying for sin, paying for the sin of mankind. He took the wrath of God upon himself, and he paid that fine with his life's blood. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose three days later, defeating death and hell, and he grants eternal life, an entrance into heaven, and an escape from hell for all those that repent, turn from their sinfulness, and put their trust in Jesus Christ alone. So everyone who existed before uh, Jesus died on the cross uh, was sent to hell? Because they were born with this, uh, this ingrained sin within them. No, um, and that goes far deeper than I, I could explain in today's show, since I'm already about ten minutes past. Okay, uh, but uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to drag you on if you don't. If you don't very, very quickly regarding that, um, look into. Uh, I think karm.org, C-A-R-M.org uh, has some articles about this. Look into Paradise and uh, I think it's Sheol or Hades, um, Abraham's bosom, um, Lazarus and the rich man uh, in the Bible talks about that. Uh, those would be good places to study that out. Um, but uh, Pete, thank you for being on the show. I hope that I helped to explain, uh, helped your helped you to understand uh, a little bit about uh, the difference between biblical Christianity and all other world religions, including those cults that say they are Christian. Well, I look forward to maybe talking to you about it some more in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Pete. Take care. That is uh, it for Witness Radio. If uh, you want to hear more, go to witnesstalkradio.org. And until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share the gospel. May God bless you. You're listening to Witness Radio. Witness Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family. 